Hello, and welcome to episode three of Keltish. I'm your host, Erica Nagamoto, and Beth and Marjorie are back to continue our conversation about playing Celtic music in Oregon. Last time, we talked a little bit about our favorite gigs, so I was thinking maybe we could talk about our least favorite gigs, if we have any. I don't know. Well, I think in, in general terms, every band has a what they call the gig from hell. Oh, I <laughs> and, remember now. Yes, and you know, it's just when, we don't have to say any particulars, but when you know, the sound doesn't work, or it's raining, or the setup is just bad, or nobody shows up, or you play for way longer than you thought. Or I remember all once, of the above. Uh, <laughs> or all of the above at the same time. And, um, you know, there are, there are, and that's what, why you have to be friends. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> when you, it's not all fun. You know, sometimes you get these gigs, or people don't, you show up and they're crabby or whatever, you know, that we, you have to, we have to take the high road and it's like, okay, you know, well, that was, you know, and laugh about it. Well, that was funny or, um, I was going to say, having a sense of humor yeah. is probably a, uh, the second most important thing uh, you need if you're going to be in a band. Uh, first, you need to really enjoy the people that you're with. And secondly, everybody needs to have a sense of humor um, and be kind of willing to like let stuff go. Um, uh, but I, I, I did want to say that that the gig that is not going to be named is <laughs> hilarious to me in memory in a, and, and poignant <laughs> as well um, because it was like playing on the deck of a ship at a, on, on the high seas in a major gale. Um, it was, the rain was lashing against the, the, the sides of this tent. And starting to come under. And coming yes. under. Under us and our sound yeah, equipment and, was right. like lying in puddles. I mean, we could have been electrocuted on top electrocuted. of it. It would have been, been a very electrifying gig. gig. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there were a few people bravely sort of trying to stick around to listen and and that was the poignant sweet. thing. Very sweet. And so, so even, I mean, even the, you know, the gig from hell has, it's just so memorable and, and, and kind of, um, you know, a great memory, oddly enough. It's kind of fun because even if it is like a, a gig from hell, then, then we can kind of turn it into our own little practice session and, and try things that we might have not been able to feel comfortable trying. But uh, Chris Ariano, someone who I used to play in a band or fill in for, he always said, sometimes it's chicken, sometimes it's feathers for um, for gigs. And, and that was a quote in one of his songs. But it's so true. <laughs> but, but usually even feathers can be fun. <laughs> That's a great quote. I'm going to remember that. Well, you know, the other thing is, well, where do tunes come from? Of course, Marjorie and Erica have written them, but the tunes we decide to play for me and I think for other people, um, you hear it, we've, we hear them on a CD usually. Um, I do. And it's so I, when I listen to music, it's like, oh my gosh, I love that tune. And what is it? And, uh, how can I find the music for it? Or, uh, I've been very lucky to have some musician friends who can transcribe, who have, you know, software and can, I can say, can you listen to this tune and write out the notes for me so I can learn it? Cause I'm really not a, like, unlike Erica, I am, can't, it's hard for me to learn a melody. Um, that's e- complex at all, um, just by listening to it. So I've been lucky to have a few tunes transcribed by friends of mine who just did it, 
who did it and gave me the sheet music, and then that's how I learned them. But but hearing them and a lot of our some of our arrangements are kind of similar to um, bands that we like and how they've started tunes. But but some of them are just kind of in that style, and we have we do our own thing, and we are learning more and more. Um, how to um, create our own uh, introductions and outros, outroductions. Outroductions. <laughs> Intro, yeah. outro. I wonder if it, um, it's probably too psychological and perhaps terrifying, but I, I was thinking about if you're asked, like, sort of name me a, your, one of your favorite tunes from our set. So I was wondering how each of you would answer and what it would say about you that that's what, you know, that's what, that's what, uh, hooks you. Can you, I mean, I don't know, it just seems kind of interesting. A lot like, of times mine is the most recent, <laughs> especially if it's one that, that I've brought to the band. Yeah. So for, for right now, for me, um, is this tune, uh, Planksty Mary Faye, that I first heard on a Liz Carroll CD. And um, I'm like, what is that tune that is so great? And luckily she has a songbook um, she puts out, um, so I could get the music from her songbook that a friend of mine had, her songbook. Although what they play on the CD is not always the same as what the, the written music is. Um, but, and it's also because, uh, it just, uh, because I, it's really accessible to me to play on the low whistle because it's slow and, um, and so I really, I really like, that's my current favorite, but that's also probably the, the latest thing yes. we've brought to the band mm -hmm. I, that, that we've played, the newest yeah. piece. <laughs> that's true. What about you? I, um, well, the most recent ones that we do, I, I usually always really like, but um, the fast ones I always really, really like for like a short amount of time. And then some something like, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, eh, you know, like I still really like them, but... They're not like my favorite anymore, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just getting old and sappy. <laughs> <laughs> but the the slow ones, I really enjoy. Like, um, honestly, Oaks of Tampico oh. and, and, and the Scandalous set is just really yeah, my my long time favorite, and it I think it will reign supreme for the whole time. <laughs> oh man, that's nice. So, yeah, it's really nice. It's just it doesn't get old. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I was thinking about this um, scandalous in particular, um, which is uh, a tune that I, you know, I've. I mean, I don't read music anyway, but I, even if I did, I, I. It's one of those tunes where I'm like, I don't care where the A part is and the B part. I just want to move with this thing, and it, 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 it has a feeling almost of a um, meditation, uh, kind of where you just get into a different kind of mood when you're listening to it, and. And it tells you where to go. And it's a trip, you know, as a, it's absolutely stunning, I think, as a composition. And, and I, I mean, I literally don't want to know, uh, you know, what it says on paper because it would ruin this kind of ethereal quality that's inside that tune. I think she's really kind of, she's kind of weirdly spiritual in some way that you um, can't put a finger on. But I think mm -hmm. um, maybe part of what it, there's a, you know, we were talking earlier about how the B part seems to come first. Maybe, maybe something of what's going on is that uh, is that we're listening for a sort of authentic emotion um, and even a story that's sort of so deeply embedded in the you know the kind of chord changes and where those notes go that somewhere in the 
back of your brain, a story is writing itself. Um, and you never, you never give it words or, you know, images even. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just almost a feeling of something that matters. Um, and you know it when you hear it. It's hard to sort of, obviously I'm talking in kind of wooey terms, but it, <laughs> You just know it when you hear it, and maybe, and it's probably different for every person. Um, I was thinking about, uh, you know, some people hate the pipes, you know, the bagpipes. Um, other people, like myself, the minute they start to go, I'm ready to cry. <laughs> you know, it, the drone um, of the pipes hits something in me so deep that I, I just think, you know, what is that like? What is that sound? And why are human beings at some primitive level so deeply attached to that, to that, to that drone? Mm -hmm. So I, I just think it's quite fascinating. The wordlessness is kind of the fascinating thing to me. I, uh, one of my favorite things about this particular band, and I was trying to count them up. This is like band number six for me or oh something, <laughs> or five. Maybe it's only five. Um, is that I just really love um, improvising with Erica because, and the more we get to know each other and how we play, the easier it is. And we sometimes just, we say, okay, well, this time through, we'll just do free for all. We'll just call it free for all. Just play whatever you want. And we, because maybe it's because we're both classically trained and we've learned how to listen or whatever, but um, we can figure it out. We can kind of listen to each other. And that is the sweet spot in a band where you are truly listening. And, you know, it's fine, you know, to play the melody and to play what it says to play and to memorize it. But that, but that is extra special to that every show we play, it's not going to be the same. When we play Scandalous, I'm play something a little different every yeah. time I know the, the format. Or when we play, I mean, th there's a number of things that and like Reel and Rowan, like today, just in our practice, I'm like, oh, I think I'll just try some different things. And, you know, Erica's right there and she's like, oh, you know, and it's, it, that is the sweet spot that we have, that I really appreciate about this band. And then having Marjorie rock solid on the backup, but playing all these nuanced chords and sometimes she changes them. It's like, oh, wow, listen to that. Isn't that something she is listening to? And here's something different that she decides to try a little different chord there or a different finger picking style or whatever. And that is what is so special about this band. That's cool. And it's my first band. So <laughs> am I the... I mean, no, I, it's your second. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's my, that's true. I, they kind of came at the same time, but I, but it's still, I'd never been in a band before like two years ago, you know, which is bizarre. Cool, yeah. So, you know, everybody comes with a different um, sort of bit of experience and um, it's, it's sort of a, a, a roadless wilderness, <laughs> which can be good. I was going to, I was thinking about one of the questions on there that you had was a, about playing in foreign parts, you know, like I think it said playing in sessions in Europe. Oh yeah, what's um, the difference? And um, I was just going to say, so I, uh, I've oh, sort of along with this um, interest in folk music uh, since I was a teenager, I've been obsessed with Scotland. Uh, I got my parents took me there when I was twelve, and I went back during college for a year, and then uh, when I was about 
I don't know, not that long ago, like 10 or 15 years ago, I started going back almost every year. And once I started playing music a few years ago, I started um, uh, going to sessions in Glasgow and Edinburgh um, and actually going to music camps as well um, uh, with bands that I know about. Um, and my husband, Tracy, uh, who's a great drummer, uh, got into it with me. But one of the interesting and scary things is that when you go to a, a pub in Edinburgh, for instance, there's a famous pub that has traditional music every night of the week. And it's called Sandy Bells. And it's got a reputation because it's been going f like since the 60s. Um, so you don't just waltz in there and, you know, start playing. There is an etiquette. Uh, and these aren't people you know. Like here in Corvallis, right, I could come with an introduction from my friend Deborah and shake hands with people and then ask them the tunes that they're playing. But in this case, uh, you you walk in and uh, and you kind of try to hide your instruments the best you can. And with a guitar, it's a little bit hard. But you just wait and you hang out and you, you ask, is this an open session? And either they say yes or they say no. And then you listen, 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 and really keep it on the down low and quiet. And gradually, you'll get a feeling that they want you there or they don't. And uh, I've seen people get kind of excommunicated um, for being too out there, you know, sort of um, too aggressive um, with their playing or too, too, in a weird way, too like overconfident. Um, I, but I found that if I took it slow and really honored the spirit of listening first, it was not that hard to be accepted. Um, and I made a bunch of friends over there and, at these sessions, both in Edinburgh and in Glasgow. Um, and now, uh, every time I go, um, I've got like several sort of homes in both pubs and people's literal homes to play in with people. And it's been an amazing experience. Um, these are some of my, you know, dearest friends now. Some of it actually happened over the pandemic on an online uh, session that got set up because the pub was closed. Um, but but I, 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 it was really kind of terrifying to, you know, just to, to sort of step over the threshold of one of these famous music pubs with the guitar, you know, and a, and a year and a half of experience in an alternate tuning and say, here it goes. And hopefully I'm not going to, you know, really fall on my face or get hostile looks. So um, I got lucky, um, but I really, I really uh, paid close attention to the room. Uh, and it was such a good learning experience. And that's really different, of course, than, you know, sort of being brought in by a pal to a session in your own hometown. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And a lot of the, the sessions are very, they're very particular about what they want there. Like um, if I'm ever going to a session and I don't know anybody there, like I was visiting my sister up in Bellingham and um, she said, oh, I know the guy who runs the session. Oh, it's great. You should go. Well, I play the cello. It is not your traditional session instrument. So I asked the guy before I just whip out my cello, I said, would, would it be, how would you all feel about a cello at, at your session? I mean, I know a lot of the tunes and he's like, oh, absolutely fine. Please come. And so that was really great. So if you can ask some, if there's like a leader and you can ask them, that's probably good. But the other thing is there is a, there are a lot of subtleties there and sometimes not so subtleties. Uh, and I know um, I heard this story about um, 
Well, there's been a couple of stories. <laughs> One is about a drummer, Joe Craven. He's a fabulous drummer, and he shows up and he plays all kinds of unusual. He makes instru- makes different kinds of drums, and he's playing all kinds of odd stuff. He, maybe he had a bongo or a conga or something and brought it to a session. He was brought to the session by his friend who was a, a Celtic player. And they're like, oh, we don't know. You cannot, you know, we don't want that, that bongo. And maybe even before they heard him and his friend who was very revered, I think said, well, okay, then I'm not going to, I won't be here either. And I can't remember what the end of the story says. Oh, well, okay. But you know, there's just, there's certain, a certain propriety to how, um, the session is run and what kind of, um, instruments it is. And like the Kate Breton sessions are totally different where each player kind of does their own thing and plays every song they know in a certain key. And then it'll move to another one. These are all the great Kate Breton fiddlers showing up. And, you know, and uh, one time a fiddler show, it was Alistair Fraser, an incredible Scottish fiddler. He shows up at this uh, Cape Breton, he, they're by invitation kind of. So he's invited, he goes to the session. He's like, oh, great. He didn't know what, what it's, what they are. So they say, hey, play some things. So he like plays two tunes, you know, in the key of A or whatever. And then he stops and they're like, wow, is that all he knows? You know, and <laughs> it's just... Um, they're just so different than what he's used to of um, being a Scottish fiddler and how he might uh, interact with other musicians. So there is a certain, there is there are a lot of unsaid rules um, and you just have to be sensitive and listen and not just um, come in with your own agenda. Like, And then the other, of course, the cello, but then the high whistle, it's hard to hide the high shrill whistle. So I was really happy when my husband bought me a low whistle. So if I'm at a session and I don't want to blow people's ears out with tunes that maybe I don't know so well, I can kind of be on the down low with a low whistle and, and not offend anybody. So okay. Um, it's it's all about yeah. listening and yeah. doing what what the decorum is for that particular yeah. session because there are a lot of of guidelines yeah. for sessions. There's a Alistair Fraser, uh, who we were just talking about, has an amazing, lovely quote about that. I heard him at the end of a concert. Somebody asked him a question about going to sessions, and he said, "Travel with integrity." And I think that's a good um, rule of thumb in music and in anything else uh, to, to consider. It's a really beautiful line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've never been to sessions outside of Corvallis, but um, I've been to other like blues jams and like country <laughs> jams and like different um, kind of like rock sort of stuff. And, and it's interesting because all of the things that you're saying about the other sessions is, is, is similar because you don't, to be accepted, you know, if you're playing with a, a new group of people, you don't want to step on them, especially, especially if they're like singing or anything, you, you know, you just want to like support and not like be the main takeover thing, which is um, fun. And, and I think also the difference between the two um, sessions, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you don't need a single person to be like running the whole thing. It's more of like a group effort. But in other, like I just went to the Old World Deli last night and 
listened to Dennis Monroe's Funked Up Blues Jam. <laughs> and it's Dennis Monroe, like, running the show. And he he has him, it's him and this other guy. And then the rest of the, it's like the rest of the, like, bass player and the drummer and the um, everything else switches around. And it's like different people. It's like whoever wants to come up from the audience is is welcome but you know you have to trade off and and he's the one running the show and if he wasn't doing that i don't think that it would work but in the session it does it does work and everyone everyone just kind of helps each other at the same time which is cool well and you have um, a session like the corvallis session which you know hasn't met for like two and a half years, but um, you have certain tunes and you all learn, kind of know the same tunes. And every once in a while, someone will come, oh, I have a new tune and um, they'll play it. And, you know, then it, it may or may not get incorporated into what people know. So you play kind of the same stuff. It's not like, you know, it's all out of the blue. So there are, there's a, there are session tunes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I just love playing in a band with you guys. And I really appreciate you coming to talk with me today. I'm feeling this mutual. <laughs> <laughs>